Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Mayor de Blasio wants New Yorkers to tell the police if they see someone not social distancing. New Yorkers won't tell the police if they see a murder. New Yorkers might live with rats, but we ain't no rats. <laughs> they should do it. He should do it the way we always did. If you see something, say something, but from six feet away. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Make it to Plaza, kills a moron. Make it to Plaza, kills a moron. He's big dummy, oh yeah, big dummy, dummy. Not a big de Blasio fan here on Brett from the Bunker. It is Saturday. It is May 23rd. It is 2020. It is raining. And I am joined today by Stephanie Goldclang. Stephanie, welcome. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on. I ask everyone this. This is the first question. I will ask you, how are you holding up? I'm holding up really well. Uh, I will say that... In New York City, I feel like we're starting, people are starting to come out of their small apartments and taking longer walks and uh, being socially distant, but I feel pretty good. Uh, obviously, it's different, but making the best of it. Yes, well, they're clearly different. They're clearly different, clearly making the best of it. Um, what are you doing to stay sane? To stay sane? Uh, well, let's see. I, uh, I've been finding different shows on TV that I might have missed when things were busy before quarantine, so enjoying some shows, different movies. Uh, I have been performing in some virtual comedy shows, which has been a lot of fun, and been writing a lot of comedy, so that's been great to work my mind in that way. And uh, going on these walks, exploring the city when there's not as many people out, you see things you didn't see before, statues, different street names, so... That's been keeping me sane. <laughs> of course, you know, everyone has their day. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's interesting. I saw Mark Norman did a thing where he walked around the city and sort of, you know, like he cut his toenails in Central Park. And, you know, like he, he also he went swimming in Central Park, which was vile. I can't really recommend that. <laughs> but um, it but it was interesting to you know, it's sort of like, oh yeah, I guess I guess the city's kind of empty. So maybe this is a chance to walk around and see some to see some stuff and. You know, I it was it was it was interesting. It was kind of a funny video, and more to the point, it gave me some ideas. I was like, huh, maybe I should just take a walk over to Times Square and see what it's like with nobody there. Yes, you. It is. I, I've seen a couple of Mark's um, interviews where he's been in the city, and I think there is something to be said about exploring and seeing things from a totally different perspective. So, yes, I'm going to try to do a little bit more of it. I know it's raining today, but the rest of the weekend's supposed to be nice. So, hopefully, we'll do some additional exploring. Yeah, that, that that annoyed me. I I have a I have a complaint to lodge with Mother Nature. Is you know, come on, it's raining. <laughs> this is the day I take a walk. I don't take a walk every day. I got to get out. I got. I need to get out of here. This is ridiculous. Come on, help me I out know. here. I know. It's like give us a break. It's like you can go to the beach. You can't swim, but if you now if you go to the beach, it's raining. So, it yeah, we uh, we're not catching a break. But I think tomorrow we might. 
So how are you finding the virtual shows? I like doing the virtual shows. I think I think people need humor now more than ever before, and certainly the virtual modality is not the same as being on stage, so you don't have the same level of audience centricity to get the audience to really be integrated into the show. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a format that's allowing comedians to be able to get people to laugh. People don't have to leave their home. And it really provides people the same level of access. So you don't have to be located in a major city to see professional comedians perform. So I think it's been giving people additional avenues to get to see people they really enjoy. Uh, so I think it's it's been good. Uh, I think, like I, like I know we've talked about it, it's not the same as being in a live audience, but I think people are pivoting and being open to exploring different ways to reach new audiences with new material. Yes. No, I agree with that. I think it's... I think, yeah, I mean, new material is key, although some people are some people are doing you know their old stuff just adapted a little bit uh, i'm I'm always more interested to hear people's different quarantine takes, you know that you, I mm-hmm. just you know these are funny people, these are people that I like as comedians in general, so i would I am curious to you know like to like tonight I'm doing a show, and I'm really curious to hear casey aurora and i'm I'm hoping he talks about you know what's going on because because he's very funny, Aaron McGuire, very funny, Mark Jagarjan, very funny. You know, um, Holly Harper, hilarious, like, uh, you know, Holly I had on the show. So there's just yeah, – it, it's it's interesting that I keep saying this, so apologies to anyone who's hearing me repeat it, but that we're we're in a very interesting shared experience, that this is a, this is a rare situation where we're all kind of doing the same thing. And so, therefore, we yeah. can have a shared vocabulary. Very much so. I mean, I feel like there's a – there's more intimacy that you're that you're seeing comedians literally perform from their apartments, their homes. They're opening themselves up really to their audiences. That you're not seeing them way far away on a stage. You're really seeing them and can see their expressiveness. I think part of comedy really is not just the content and not just the delivery, but it's how you give that delivery. So, what's your body language? What's your expressiveness? And when you're in a virtual setting you can really feel the joke. I think in a, a lot of times in a, in a deeper way, you don't have to have a front row seat. I mean, you literally do have a front row seat when you're on a virtual uh, show. So I think it does offer this new way to feel more connected with the comedians and feel more connected with the jokes and feel like they're very relatable. Sure. And everyone's going through the same thing. We're all feeling the same things, which is a very unique situation, um, and finding the humor in that I think is really important. I think, what, do you find that it's a little harder to laugh loud when you're, when it's just you sitting and sitting at your computer? What, to, to be, when you're, when you're, when you're not other member. people, and like, when you're not, yes, yeah. I, I do, because you feel like when you're, when you're in a club, uh, there's always a lot of different noises. There's, there's wait staff coming and delivering. There's people having, you know, they're they're laughing collectively at their tables. So you do feel like a little. It's a little different, but we. I think people should feel encouraged to laugh and, and really be themselves because it is uh, for comedians. They feed off that energy. I mean, we feed off that energy as comedians, where somebody's laughing and you feel like, okay, that joke's working, and I can expand upon it. Or people are really liking 
you know, for me, I do a lot of observational humor. Um, I do humor about my mom, about dating. And so if I hear people laughing, I'm like, oh, people are really feeling the dating jokes right now. So maybe I'll add a little bit more to that. So the, the harder people are laughing virtually, it gives people the um, sense or the comedian the sense of what's working and, and where do they go and where can they pivot within their set. Now, what if you're just not hearing anything, which is which is going to happen? Like, I I find that you can't really consider that a bomb. Like, if you're at a club and nobody's laughing, that's a bomb. But if you're doing a virtual show and nobody's laughing, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bomb. It could just mean their mic is muted. Right. Well, I always, you know, it's funny. My my father and I love Rodney Dangerfield. I grew up listening to Rodney Dangerfield, and still, when I watch videos of him saying you know, about the mic, is this on? You know, I'm working up here. And I always think about that because whether you're in a live show and people aren't laughing and you feel like, hey, is this joke not funny? Or you're in a virtual show and you're not sure, are people, A, not laughing, or B, their mics are turned off or they're muted? So just kind of think of that uh, dangerful philosophy of just, hey, I'm, I'm working here, and just, just keep going uh, and try to find the natural pauses that you would do if you were doing a live show and just keep going uh, because I think – there's, there is a sense of ambiguity with it. You're not quite sure. And I think you can also pause just like a, a live audience and say, hey, is, every, is anyone out there? Can you hear me? Or has anyone ever been? I do a joke about medieval times. I say, is there anyone out there been to medieval times? Just to see if you can get even one or two people to provide some of that audience participation, I think is really helpful. Uh, I agree. I think that is helpful. I just, we were talking about this, like my experience being an audience member last night, um, I realized I, I should have had a little more sympathy for people because it's, you know, it, you're you're in your house and it's just, it, it's a little tougher. Like it's hard to not be distracted by things. And um, and I, I would mute myself, you know, rather than make any noise that disrupted the show. But, you know, I wanted to be completely present and I found that like, well, it was time for another drink, you know, like it was just, you know, that's okay. <laughs> right. It's just, you know, there's no wait staff coming to get me, you know. And so right. at, at some point it's like, well, I guess I got to go, you know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be back. It's not that big a deal. Right. But, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're going to crack it at some point, but I, don't, but, I, but I don't know that it's anytime soon. I think it's really going to take a lot of experimenting. I think it will, but I think, it, I think there's a resiliency with doing comedy shows virtually so that when things do start to open up, and comedians find themselves back on stage and, and people find themselves back connecting with colleagues in their offices, I think the rigor that it takes to be truly present virtually, I think is going to allow people to feel like it's even more natural when they're in person. It's almost like the, the default uh, comes out when they're in person because you do have, there is a definite different level of presence that's required. And I think People also need to, just like a real show, people get up, people have to go to the bathroom, people might turn to their their neighbor, you know, in their table and say, hey, like, you want to order another drink? And so there's definitely times, even in a live show, that it takes, like I said, that resiliency to just keep going with your set. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and not worry. And so I think in virtual settings, too, like if someone gets up or someone looks like they're not looking at the camera and they're supposed to be an audience member and really engaged in your set to just find it in yourself to keep going and to be able to uh, just be able to mitigate 
those situations and, and have fun with it. I think to not take anything too seriously and just have a fun time with it. Yeah, that's what Jim Mandrino said. Jim's a comedian with like 30 plus years of experience. He runs the New York Underground Comedy Festival, which wraps up this weekend. Yes. So you should all go check that out. And um, he, he said, just plow. Like, just go, just get up there and just do your uh-huh. thing and, and don't worry about it. And I thought that was really good advice. I, I, I've, I've tried with, with the pauses, without the pauses, and I, I I'm still I'm still undecided to be honest. Sometimes sometimes I do it with more pauses, sometimes I do it with less. It's just when there's, you know, I I, I try to listen for any kind of feedback, you know, like laughter, but it, but it's but it's often very quiet even if you are getting it. And and I'm and I'm louder than they are. So, you know, it's not like in a club where the laughter can be laughter is nice and loud hopefully. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll keep playing with it and eventually eventually we'll get it right. Let me let's talk a little more about you. What, uh, how did you get into comedy? So I, I mean, I always loved comedy. I mean, as I mentioned, my father and I loved uh, Rodney Dangerfield. I loved watching comedians growing up, and uh, I always wanted to make people laugh. Uh, I was always trying to make my younger brother laugh. And then as I got older in college, I was making my sorority sisters laugh, and, and it was always this kind of dream, but I put it aside. And it wasn't until three years ago that I was in New York and I took a class, a comedy class, and I just got hooked. And then I started doing shows. Uh, I know a lot of people are familiar with bringer shows. When you're first starting out, you bring friends and family to shows. You're looking to get spots wherever you can to get time to work on your sets. Uh, And then um, this past year, right before the quarantine, I I competed in the Caroline Smart Broadway's competition for up-and-coming comedians, and uh, so I'm working on my craft, and I'm very excited to be part of this uh, group of people, and, you know, I love seeing professional comedians. I love being part of a group of comedians that are just getting their start, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I, the comedy community's been very, there's another repeated theme on this podcast, but I, I you know, I've been very blessed and uh, enjoying the comedy community. I, I find that, you know, I've made a lot of good friends. I, the, the, I'm not sure what I'd be doing if I weren't doing comedy during this, because this is really, that's basically all I do is I write comedy. I go to open mics, I do virtual shows, um, and I'm going to do it. Then I'm doing sort of comedy adjacent things like this, or I've got another podcast, you know, that it's all, it all kind of comes back to comedy. So that's really yeah. been the well, important and I thing think, in my life. Yeah, what's so great about you and, you know, I've, I've seen you perform and you're fantastic. I'm going to attend your show tonight. Thank and, you. And, you know, we we connected when we went to see a mutual friend perform. And that's what I love about comedy is that uh, people are comedians are really open. I, I have connected with comedians that have been in the business for 30 plus plus years uh, like Brian Scott McFadden and Steve Marshall, who are really open to talking to you after your set and really connecting. And, and that's, I think, the beauty of comedy is that whether you're a first year starting out or you've been in the business and you're a professional 30 plus years, I think there's a connectedness to it because there's this sense of vulnerability anytime you go up on stage. I think for the most seasoned comedian, there's still this level of vulnerability. Like, what's the crowd going to be like tonight? Um, Is this new joke I wrote, is it going to work? And I just love this ability to connect. I mean, here in New York, I mean, we, we connected very quickly when we're just the shared love of comedy and we're there to support another fellow comedian. Right. Um, And you've been at it way longer than I have and 
the fact that you just sat down and you were just so open and willing to talk to me about how I've got started, I think just is a really fun community to be a part of. I'm not that long. I'm only, I'm only in my second year. So, you know, well, like see, I, I, I did not know that. I thought you I appreciate it for longer. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's, I think that's the other thing. I think there's a lot of clubs around the country that are willing to give funny people a chance. So whether you've been at it a year, two years, 15 years, you know, being able to get up there, you know, three minute, five minute, 10 minute set and get people to laugh, that's going to, I mean, that's how you get started is the first laugh you hear, you start to feel like, okay, I really want to do this. I want to keep going at it. And uh, it's certainly, uh, you have to pay your dues and there's a lot of different steps I feel like to get the time and to get past at clubs. But I think uh, there's a real willingness from people that have been in the community for a long time to put out their hand and grab your hand and, and pull you along. So I hundred percent, totally agree, totally agree. I've 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 found really, yeah, I, I've just I've found really really positive, um, fun people, and I just yeah, I don't know. There, there's there was a lot of. I hear a lot of, you know, oh, no, comedians are terrible. You know, comedians are just, you know, they're jealous and they're this. And I'm, sh- I'm sure that's true. I- I'm sure that that, you know, that, that, that that will happen. But that has just not been my experience. People have been very nice, um, you know, and, and, and very generous. Like if somebody's got a tag for you, they'll just give it to you. It's not it's not like, you know, pay me for this. It's sort of like, hey, you know, it might be good. Why don't you try it like this? You know, okay, right. sure. Why not? I'll try it like that. Yeah. You know, no, da- no like downside. That. Like, let me give it a, sh- let me give it a. Sh- you know, Corey Kahaney did that for me once, and I was like, well, well, there's no downside there. Like, you know, Corey Kahaney's hilarious. If she thinks I, I might and, work and, better that way, it probably will. You know, so uh, I'll give it a shot. And sometimes, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But, but you know, that, that's the other, that's the other thing I really like about comedy is you can just get up and try it. You know, you go to an open mic, you go to a show, and you just start to say, well, I'm going to try the joke this way now. And if it works, you'll know immediately. And if it doesn't work, you will know pretty pretty much immediately. Like maybe you give it another try if it's something else that's real that you know that works. Um, how long do you work on a joke? Like, do you find that that it take that it can take months and months, or does it just sort of if it if it doesn't come to you immediately, do you uh, get rid of it? Yes, I mean I keep um, a notebook, and then I transfer my notes over into the computer just so I have it saved, and I start creating categories where it's like there's dating or there's I did a whole bit about jury duty. And so I have these categories and if I think something's funny or I hear something on a plane or on the street in New York and I'm like, Ooh, I think that could be something. I'll just jot the notes down. And then over time I start to build a set based on those notes. Uh, And sometimes it takes just to have a quick tag. Like you mentioned, it could take just an hour because you're like, Ooh, that could work there. Uh, Whereas my jury duty bit I worked on over a couple months, just perfecting it and finding what are the right words. I think word choice, um, as you mentioned, like it can be just one word or one edit to your joke that can make the difference. Uh, and so it can be anywhere from just an hour that you, you feel like oh, that's a joke to a couple months of really refining uh, a joke. And I think my style is, is more around storytelling. Uh, and so I think one of the challenges that I have is to really be able to edit a story down to be able to have those elements that create laughter before you get to the punchline. Um, so the story has to be really tight and succinct enough 
so that you get to the punchline, you get to the laugh, and you build on it so the audience is with you through the entire story. Um, so every comedian has a different style, but I would say mine is more focused on the storytelling, which can take a little longer, I think, to refine. Um, was that a conscious choice? Did you say, I want to be more of a storyteller, or is that just sort of how it came out? I think that innately I am more of a storyteller. So I think over time, you know, as I would tell people jokes, they they had more of a story element to it. And I think I find the funny in my life. I'm a little bit self-deprecating. So I think naturally, inherently, I, I have more of a storytelling style. So I think it was not necessarily a conscious, conscious, conscious choice, but it was one that I think was sort of made for me because that's just a little bit of who I am. Hmm. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Because I I think that's what happens. Like, I don't know that somebody like, I mean, unless maybe Mitch Hedberg, but you know, like he maybe set out to be a one-liner comic, but I also think that's just how it came out for him. You know, like when I started, Uh I was, I was a total one-liner comic. That was what I did. That was what I had. That was what I was comfortable with. And then gradually the jokes have gotten longer and longer and longer. Like I realized the other day that, you know, it used to be, I I have a page in my notebook and it's sort of, and it's two jokes and they're not real, they're not fully finished by any means, but they're, they're sort of, you know, joke starters, but they're, but each one is a half a page. And even a year ago, that would have been a sentence, or maybe two sentences, like that, because that's just how my brain was working. So it's just it's interesting how you evolve and and sort of you know how your your act evolves along with you. Yeah, and I think you know I've seen you do the storytelling, but I've also seen you do that really succinct zinger type joke, and like even on your Twitter feed, like really tight joke that you don't need any other story wrap around. Just that one sentence is funny in itself and and I think that's a real talent because I think that I think that those one-liners can be harder than finding the funny within a story so it's uh it is interesting like you said as you evolve I think you I think each comedian finds a different style and not just about their content but how they use the tone of their voice the pitch of their voice how they walk around the stage in a virtual setting how are they using their facial expressions to be congruent with the message they want, with the joke that they're telling. Uh, If you're doing impersonations, certainly that you want to work on that facial expression piece. Um, And that's something I've been finding, especially in the virtual setting, if I'm doing an impersonation of my mom, you know, how am I doing that virtually versus when I'm on the stage and I kind of use more of my body language. Uh, so I think that's an interesting piece is, is finding the evolution of not just your content, but your style and your voice and everything that makes you you um, right. as a comedian. Right. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Uh, if you do an impression of your mom, you can do it pretty much however you want, though, because no one knows. <laughs> I mean, at, least not, <laughs> at least not the general audience. I shouldn't say no one knows, right. but not as many people. If you do right. an Obama, it, you better get it down uh, pretty right. exact. You but other than so. that, like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, like, I don't know about you. It drives me nuts when someone does an impression and it's sort of like, well, that's not what that person sounds like. Like, you know, I understand that you're saying that's what it is, but that's not really a good impression. Like a good impression is like a magic trick. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, um, really good impressionists are, you know, they can just pull anybody out of a hat and it's just fantastic. But then if they hit a clunker, it, to me, it's always like, eh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that one, you know. Like, right. Uh, that's yeah, it's like, yeah, like it's like it's tricky, but I know you're a good impressionist, but for whatever reason, you haven't hit that one yet. <laughs> right. 
Right. So I guess my mom would be my harshest critic on that, that whether I sounded like her or not. So I, I do think you're right. I, if you're an impressionist, it's a very refined style of com- comedy. You have to, it's refined in that you have to continuously work on that. So uh, I know Bob DeBono, a comedian that I know, sure. he does Trump. And I think he's perfected that over time with everything from ticks to how Trump walks and how, you know, Trump inflects that, that takes time to refine that and yeah. work on it to really be able to be, you know, really feel the essence of that person. Um, and what, what, it, what, what, how are they thinking? Like, how does that person think? So if they're doing a joke or they're doing a set and somebody in the audience is participatory and they, you know, kind of thinking about how would this person that I'm impersonating react? Um, I think that takes truly refined. Yes, 100%. No, the work, I'm not, I don't mean to diminish what an impressionist is doing. What the, their work is really difficult. That's, that's not mm-hmm. something that's in my wheelhouse. I do sort of suggested impressions where, you know, like you'll know what I'm doing, but it's not, it's not really an impression. Like it's not something, no, no one's ever going to close their eyes and think, oh my God, that's really Seinfeld. You know, it's not like when, like when Jimmy <laughs> Fallon does Seinfeld. Like, see, Jimmy Fallon could be Seinfeld. Like he could go on the road and do Seinfeld routines. <laughs> And everyone would be everyone would be fine with it because he just sounds so much like Seinfeld. It's you know it's scary. Like he's one of those like top notch phenomenal impressions. Uh-huh. Um, yes. You know, whereas like if I do it, it's like you know what do we do? It's out of control. You know, like it's it's just you know what you know what it is. You, you got the right idea, but it's not really you know like you, you're not going to close your eyes and think you're watching Seinfeld. Like you know, so I'm not I'm not but kidding myself. But I think there's funny in that. Like if you're like oh sure, Brett Singer doing. Seinfeld, like just even just now, you made me laugh. Like, right? So it's it's it, even if you're not like doing a full Im- impersonation, you're doing just a sort of a a nod to it. I think there's funny in that too. If you acknowledge so, uh, maybe it, I'll, and say, well, maybe here's I'll my add it to the arsenal. Yeah, my version of Seinfeld. One that Matthew Friend does something interesting where he does impressions of impressions. Like he he's a very good impressionist, yes. but he also does. And and it's inter- it's interesting because it does what it points out is how different the Trump impressions really are, is that, you know, um, Alec Baldwin sounds nothing like Stephen Colbert, you know, who sounds, who yes. sounds nothing like Trevor Noah, who sound you know, and they're all, they're all ostensibly doing Trump, and they're all recognizable as Trump, but yes. it's not really the same thing. They're, they're, they're really very, very different. I saw that bit that he did, and I thought it was hilarious, because his impersonations, of those that were impersonating were spot on. And so I thought that was a very unique bit that I've seen him do. Yeah, no, he's very talented. Very very young, too. Super young. I think he just graduated from NYU or something. Yeah, early 20s. Yeah, yeah, very, very young. Very, very young. He was on the show I I saw last night. He was good. Um, But it it just sort of got me thinking about impressionists, because there there are definitely people who will try an impression. What I I find interesting is when someone does an impression of someone – but no one really knows who it is. Like that's that's always a little tricky. He doesn't do that. But um, <laughs> I, I can't think of I can't think of the name. But I've been at shows where someone will do a you know like a comedian, and like all the comedians are laughing, and it's like, but no one else in the audience knows who the hell you're doing, and it's sort of I'm like, well, what are you doing, man? Yeah. You got you right. got you, you don't have to, you don't have to do Trump, but you got to do somebody that people have heard of. You know, like you that can't somebody. You, yeah, like it's what like it, Gilbert Gottfried used to do uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and only the people in the club got it. 
because nobody else knew who Seinfeld was at the time, but he would do, he would do apparently the spot. He Godfrey Gilbert Godfrey does a spot on Seinfeld, like it, like it's a it's a perfect impression. It's it's hysterical. He does a thing of David Brenner talking to Jerry Seinfeld, and it's basically you know it's like oh, who okay. are these people eating pizza? You know he, they're just going back and forth. <laughs> the thing about pizza is that you gotta go and you get stuck in the roof of your mouth. And, you know, and it's just it goes they just it, it's absolutely hilarious. But he did it way back when, so I guess maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna take that back because maybe it is okay to just be making the comedians laugh. But because um, sometimes but like sometimes you that's said, important. I mean, yeah, sometimes there isn't. And I think in New York or anywhere, you, comedians are constantly cognizant of, hey, are, are there a lot of tourists in tonight that might not know some of the up-and-coming comedians in New York that if I were to do impersonation of them, maybe those in the room tonight wouldn't know? So figuring out the audience um, is always, I think, a piece of it. And I think depending upon the time of the night, you know, the club that you're at, the, you might be kind of moving content around in your head around what's going to work because I think sometimes you realize oh, this audience really is liking this and I should stay on this versus trying to do something that they just might not receive as well. Yeah. Which I think is the challenge of the virtual is that the beauty of comedy is it's such a joint experience between the audience and the comedian. I can't think of really anything else that truly is that where it's a, it's a, it's never going to happen that same way again. It's totally unique to that evening, to that moment where the audience is receiving the jokes and the comedian is receiving the energy and, and can pivot accordingly. So I think that is some of the differences with virtual, right? That you just, you don't have that shared experience as much. And so I think there's such uniqueness to what happens every night because I might go see you on a Friday night and there's a different energy with the audience and they're wanting to hear different parts of your jokes. Uh, and then I see you the next night and it might be completely different because you're like, Oh, this audience isn't feeling my Seinfeld impersonation as much. So maybe I'll move into jokes about my kids or whatever right. it might be. So I think that is really a fun part of seeing comedy. You can see the same comedian multiple times and have a totally different experience. You are wonderfully. On the po- I just have to say, you are wonderfully positive. Like I, I feel like I feel like like uh, <laughs> like a serious negative Nell right now, um, because you're you're sort of you're finding the positive spin in everything, and it's really terrific. It's really it's really kind of wonderful to talk to. I try to be, but you know, I think you know when I'm not doing comedy, I work for a company where we train. Uh, those in, and mostly Fortune 500 companies around how to present more effectively, how to communicate with a, a greater sense of authentic presence. And our company was training face-to-face uh, pretty much 80% before the quarantine, and we've now we're training 80% on virtual in a virtual modality. And it, and it is hard at times to stay positive, right, because it's totally changed our business model. But I think that's that's the only thing you can do is be positive. And the only thing that I think helps me remain positive is comedy. If I'm stressed, I'll go on YouTube and pull up my favorite comedians and just watch some jokes to kind of calm me down or try to make me feel more positive about things. And I think laughter is really the only thing that, that we have to really keep us going and um, find, so who, find the humor in it. So who are those favorite comedians? So I love, well, I know I've talked a lot about Dangerfield, and that was really amazing the first time I got to perform at, at Dangerfield in the Upper East, um, in the Upper East Side. Sure. Uh, and um, 
you know, I, what's funny is in the first part of my career, I worked for the Muscular Dystrophy Association and worked on the Jerry Lewis uh, Labor Day Telethon. So got to work and, and meet some of the comedians from that started, like uh, Norm Crosby and, and Jerry Lewis. And so that was really fun. Sure. Um, and now I, I really love um, a lot of the, the, the New York comedians that I'm able to see on any night of the week. Like I love Lenny Marcus. I, I like Jessica Kirsten. I love up and coming comedians. Like when we were talking before about we, you and I met when we were watching a fellow friend comedian, Zarna Garg, sure. who's newer to the scene. And um, so I love, I love comedians that have been around for a long time. I love comedians of yesteryear that I can still, um, even unfortunately that they're no longer with us, I can still see their comedy and pull it up online. And I can also see someone that's just starting out, or like you mentioned, Matt, just graduated from college, and I can see him and appreciate his style. So I I, I think I have a real mix uh, of comedians that I enjoy and and love to, to watch. Um, that's great. That's terrific. That sounded that sounded like a pretty wide range. I mean, you going from from Rodney Dangerfield to you know Matthew Friend. That's a <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's, that's, mean, a, that's a that's a wide range. You know, and Lenny Marcus, Jessica Kirsten, You know, um, Kirson. I don't know how to pronounce it. Kirsten, Yeah, K I R S O N. I think I pronounce. Yeah. So Kirsten, yeah, okay. she's hilarious and and she's, so funny. I mean, she's been at it for years. Sorry, who'd you say? No, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. She's hilarious. Yeah, she's been at it for years, and she just, I think it was last year, got a special that Bill Burr um, hosted, and I think, I mean, that just goes to show you some of these comedians who have been working and been at it for years before you see them do a special, a lot of them have been on the road for 10 plus years before they get a special like that or are able to get, you know, a half hour hour um, on Comedy Central, Uh, so I think that that's really, it's, it's, there's a lot of dedication and I have so much respect for comedians that have been working at it. Like you look at, like you said, someone like Matt right after, right out of college that are, you know, working it and going out every night and performing and really have to build their following. And it takes a long time. I think for comedians, uh, I think it's probably the hardest discipline out there. You're your own writer, you're your own editor you're your own performer. You're a lot of times your own agent or manager until you get to a point in your career that you would have that. So you have to wear all these different hats and have to be at it every night and not like, not let one show or maybe people weren't laughing as much get you down. You have to have that confidence and that positivity to keep going. And so I have so much respect for me. Comedy is a new, is something newer in my life and I'm, I'm doing it and, uh, you know, but I'm I'm not a professional, and I you know know that it would take a lot to get to a professional level. Um, so have a lot of respect for those that have been doing that and honing their craft for right. such a long time. Yeah, and have absolutely. that resiliency that I mentioned before. That resiliency to say it's I'm going to just brush off that and and go on. And um, I think I mean most of these most comedians I mean they're doing like five sets a night at different clubs, and so they can't let one show get you down because you might the next one could be the one that just feels like it's on fire and it's great and you feel like you walk out and you're like oh my gosh that was awesome uh so there's a lot of variability and and there's a lot of factors that go into that variance i think who's a comedian you'd really like to meet and talk to like so if you could sit down and have like a comedy conversation with them who's somebody that might fit that bill 
I mean, I I really love Amy Schumer. I mean, I've always loved Amy Schumer. I you know, she's one of the comedians that when I like feel stressed at night, I'm like, I just need to laugh. Or she's doing a cooking show now with her husband. I mean, it makes me laugh. I just feel like she's someone that's taken a lot of different chances and started out and after college and paid her dues and and I think it would be really great. And I feel like my humor is self-deprecating. There's a lot of, I think, elements that are similar in that self-deprecation. So I think it would be fun to sit down with her and talk about just her best stories and some of the things that have, might have been more challenging for her. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Okay. That's a good choice. Nothing wrong with that. Because, uh, I mean, you know, we get to meet, obviously, a ton of people, but there's always people that you would still want to encounter. Um, you know, yeah. my, 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 will, fa- my, yeah. my big famous one, and I, I've said this story before, but, you know, like I got, it, I got a note from Jim Gaffigan. That was really cool. You know that was that was a fun moment. Um, oh, I'll, I'll, defi- wow. I'll definitely I'll definitely cherish that. That was that was really cool. And he was very generous. He he pulled me aside and you know said, "Hey, why don't you try this?" And I was like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> you know, like, That's so cool. Yeah, right. Like like know, he was listening. A- he was listening to my set. That was really neat. That is so cool. Yeah, I did have probably my favorite moment was last year. I got to perform. Um, on the same show as Janine Garofalo, and nice. I, you know, I'm a, I, I'm 42, so Janine Garofalo is right in my like reality bites was one of my favorite movies sure. when I was growing up, and so she was. I mean, she's one of my favorite comedians, and after the show, she hung out with me for like a half hour, and oh wow, it was probably like one of the best moments because she's one of my comic heroes and it was a lot of fun and she's so real and so she's just like yeah let's hang out and uh it was it was a lot of fun so and I know Jim Gaffigan too um he's never given me like so that's pretty amazing that he did that with you but I I what I like about Jim Gaffigan is he's always out trying new material and so he's one of the nicest I feel like in the business like he'll talk to everyone he'll get up on stage at, you know, any, any show and try out new material and be willing to talk to other fellow comedians and comedians that are starting out. Uh, so that's pretty cool that he <laughs> gave you a note. And yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, he's, he's, and he's one of the funniest, I think, really. Oh, yeah. Listen, he's killing it, obviously. I mean, but Geographalos, that's no slouch. I mean, that's, uh, that that she's terrific and she's been around a long time. I mean, I, I remember watching her on Comedy Central back when they would just show clips of stand up and that was it. Like that was the whole channel. Um and so I saw a ton I mean, of her on there. Yeah. She's just yeah, she's so great. And she got up her set that day was just talking about um some of the junk mail that we all get, like and you know, for that's the beauty of comedians that they see the potential in just the everyday, like getting the mail. Like we all get junk mail and, and, you know, we open up our mailbox and there's like most of it is junk. Right. And I think somebody like Janine Garofalo can take that and be like, I know there's something really funny here. Uh, and just make, and I, you brought up Seinfeld a lot. I mean, the fact that he could make, you know, losing your socks in the dryer, like we've all lose our socks in the dryer and make it into this joke that everybody can relate to. Right. It's pretty incredible like you just take this comment so she did this whole set about and i mean i was laughing so hard i could barely breathe and i think she's just she's great and she's she was as kind off stage as i would have imagined her to be and so it was nice when your ex 
expectations are exceeded <laughs> and you meet somebody, you're like, wow, this actually is better than I thought if I were to have met this person in person. <laughs> right. Now that's, that's the best when you meet someone and the expectations are exceeded because it's obviously yeah. it's always disappointing if you meet someone and they're, and they're like, I went to rock and roll fantasy camp for my 40th birthday. That was my big 40th birthday oh, present. That's awesome. And <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was a great experience. I'm not knocking it at all, but like Ace Freely, who is not really one of my guitar heroes, but he was so obnoxious because <laughs> uh. it was like, it just wasn't, you know, and it was like, it was fine, but it's like, boy, I'm glad this is not the guy I been waiting to meet because he's just not fun everybody else was amazing lita ford was incredible you know rudy sarzo was incredible like you know everybody else there kip winger mark um you know uh it it was just it was it was great up and down like i I am praising it to the skies but you know and and every other time i've had an experience (laughs) at a at at a rock camp they've been really good so I, i i gotta preface it by saying that but you know, it is, it is possible to meet someone and have them be disappointing, you know, because not, not everyone so understands true. that, they, you know, and it's a, and it's a bummer because so when you meet someone and they exceed your expectations, it's that much better. It's so true. I mean, I had a similar experience. I loved Kevin Bacon. I mean, we all know that the, the, the Kevin Bacon Six Degrees of Separation game. And when I was in fundraising at Muscular Dystrophy, we, we had an event and the Bacon Brothers, his band with his brother played. Same thing. Like, I he just he was not that gracious. He wasn't that like, well, I was like, Kevin Bacon, like, thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure maybe he was just having an off night. Um, But it was like that moment where you're like, I thought my dreams of meeting Kevin Bacon were so different in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) And it just didn't happen. But I think we all have those experiences. And so when, like you said, when someone like Gaffigan or Janine Garofalo just exceed those, it, it really, it just makes it's it's a moment that you'll never forget. I know for me, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, and for them, it could have just been another day. But for me, it was like this is so cool. Someone that I just have so much respect for is talking to me after I got to perform on a stage that she just was on. Like it was very cool. So let me try. Let me try my Gaffigan on you. So this is this was the note he gave me because you're you've been, <laughs> you 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 actually are appreciating my my limited uh, impression. So let's so let's try this. Like when you say time. "stay at home, Dad," you should say it's emasculating. Does that make sense? <laughs> I feel like it kind of sounds like Gaffigan. <laughs> I yes. I had a funny. This is a funny story. I so I'm in the dating world in New York. Lots of fun. Uh, and constantly kind of swiping on all the different sites. And I had been swiping one night, and the next day I'm at this coffee shop, and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I think we, like, swiped on each other the other night. Like, he seemed to be the right age demographic, somewhere between 40 and 50, uh, and I'm staring at him, he's staring at me, so I figure he must think. And then it hit me that it was actually Ben Stiller, that I was staring at. <laughs> and he finally just smiled and was like, yeah, like, I'm Ben Stiller. Like, I literally, because you know when you see when you see somebody, at least for me, when I see somebody really famous in person, sometimes it takes a second because it seems unnatural to see them at the same sure. coffee shop as you. So I'm trying right. to place him, like, right? And I'm placing him in Tinder. <laughs> I'm placing him in a Tinder dating site that I was, because he was my, he's in theory my demographic, but not exactly right because, Ben Stiller probably wouldn't date me, but in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I think it's Ben, and I think it's, you know, the guy from Tinder, and it was Ben Stiller, so 
in New York and I'm sure like in LA and lots of places you have these moments to like Seinfeld lives somewhere around the corner from me. I'm definitely in a different building. Um, <laughs> one that has central air, I'm sure. But yes, uh, I'm sure. I always think maybe I'll see him on the street because uh, I, I, a lot of comedians live in New York and specifically in the Upper West Side, which is right in my little vicinity here. Right. But no, I definitely. think you I... doing your Seinfeld um, impersonations. I think they're good. Okay, I'll work on it. I'll work it into the act. I uh, work say, it I appreciate the act. this is encouraging. This is encouraging. I appreciate <laughs> the encouragement. This is terrific. Um, so, Stephanie, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, for calling yes. in and for doing the show. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the social medias and then any shows you have coming up? Sure. So I'm Stephanie Goldklang. I think I'm the only Stephanie Goldklang out there. G O L D K L A N G. Fun last name. So that's my Facebook and my Instagram. And um, I put everything out there that I'm in. So I've been doing a lot of um, shows through F Comedy, through Westside Comedy Club, and I'm looking to put together a show uh, coming up on 4th of July weekend um, virtually. So I will be putting all of that up on my social media and look forward to hopefully seeing people virtually and hopefully in person soon. Uh, My next show was supposed to be at Caroline's, on March 23rd. So I think hopefully that's going to be pushed um, to the fall and I'll definitely put that out on all of my social media. So I really appreciate you having me on today and I look forward to seeing you perform tonight. Thank Um, you. Thank you so much. Yes. I have a show tonight. Everyone check my social media. That's Brett Singer on Facebook and Brett Singer on Twitter. And um, thank you so Thank you so much. This has been Brett from the bunker. We will see you. We will see you Monday at 11 a.m. And please stay safe. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.